and like I learned how, like to be the best and to be confident maybe a little cocky with that I would never have been that way I don't think my family is so so like self-deprecating in the way they are and everything's a joke and you know no one ever says anything serious while as they're completely different but it changed me a lot I'm an influencer because I'm pretty you know it just it just doesn't work anymore back in the day yeah now no it doesn't work so don't waste your time so it took me at least two months to even have one bit of fun at first it was like this is hell get me home i hate my life today on the engaging marketeer i'm here with kath jones kath has not one but two businesses that she operates at the same time. The first one is uh, We Are SN, which is We Are Social Network. And that is an influencer marketing businesses where she works with uh, influencers throughout the UK to promote brands, to promote businesses, to promote their products to their following. And she matches up the right brands with the right social media influence, influencer, which is something I didn't really know anything about. So I'm very excited to talk to her about that. And on the strength of her social media influencer business, Kath also created Think Wine, which is a low sugar wine brand that she has just smashed into the wine industry with no previous experience in alcohol, no previous experience in wine, and has completely disrupted the industry by using the techniques and the skills she has from her social media influencer business to break through into a new market. So the the wine industry doesn't like her very much because she's brand new and she's winning loads of awards. So let's find out how she's done that and how she recommends other businesses can do the same. I was looking at your your well, I say your website, one of your websites, because you you've got two businesses you're running at the same time here. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. With, so I've got one social nation, which is influencer marketing, and the other one is Think Wine. Yeah, and on on the one it mentions that you you've travelled around the world quite a bit working. Yeah. What 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 yeah. got you to want to leave <laughs> leave the beautiful city of Liverpool to go off to <laughs> to go off to the states? Um. You know what? I always, always wanted to travel. Like ever since I was very, very young, I always knew I'd go traveling, but I didn't like it. It wasn't until I was, I guess, I don't want to say old because obviously I'm, I'm not <laughs> technically old, but I was a lot older when I discovered where what I wanted to do. While as my friends all kind of knew from an early age, this is what I want to be. This is what I want to study. I never knew. All I knew was I was obsessed with traveling. Um, and it turns out that in school, I was really good at business. So I, um, I basically was like, okay, I'm going to go to uni and study business. And I moved to Leeds because I wasn't quite ready, I guess, to move away. But when I was in university in Leeds, there was an opportunity that arose that was like, do you want to go and work for the Marriott Hotels in the US? And so I was just like, absolutely, this is perfect. Okay. So that's how I initially it was in the middle of university that I initially moved to America. So that, that that's just an opportunity. Yes, I tell you, you thought you couldn't couldn't pass up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was a they were only taking on. So the Marriott would visit the UK and they go to like three different universities and they take on two people from each university. So it wasn't like they were taking on thousands of people. Um, so it was quite like a grueling process to actually go and get the internship with them. Um, but I, I, you know, when you just say, like, right, that's it, that's mine. That is mine. I am going there. And I said to them that when they, 
when they met me, they were like, so what can, what state would you like to be put in? Obviously, Marriott's global. I was like, um, put me somewhere really random because I don't just want to go to like California or New York. Put me somewhere just completely random that I would never maybe have got to. And they put me in Louisville, Kentucky. So it was random. <laughs> and what, what was it like working out there? Because it's very different. It was well, very different oh, yeah. across different states in America, but. How did yeah. you how did you find it? <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Honestly, it was I, I loved being there. And I always say it was the best thing I ever did because my confidence just skyrocketed. Hmm. Because the way they are, like, it's so different to the way we are. And I know that's such a sweeping generalized statement, but we're so so self-deprecating and everything has to be like taking the piss hmm. while it's there. So just like up themselves <laughs> <laughs> like they're all co- oozing confidence and they're all like you know it's it's really cool to be like the top seller or you know the best person in the workplace while as in the UK it's like if you if you're like the best person at work or <laughs> a top seller you're like a teacher's pet and that's not cool <laughs> so I was like I went there and I was like oh it's cool to be the best okay then and then like I learned like to be the best and to be confident maybe a little cocky with that um from being there basically I would never have been that way I don't think my family is so so like self-deprecating in the way they are and everything's a joke and you know no one ever says anything serious while as they're completely different but it changed me a lot yeah that's why uh, America gives the world Tom Cruise who's the best at everything and everything he's in and we give the world <laughs> Hugh Grant sorry terrible. <laughs> Let's hope he never listens. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, either of them, actually. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Hugh. Sorry, 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 sorry. And then after you went to America, you thought, well, I'm not going home. I'm going to go to to Shanghai. <laughs> yeah, I actually did go home. Because oh, you, you did pop in for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I needed to finish my degree. So I had a year left. Right. My degree. So this, this America stint was right in the middle of that. So I did like a year and a half there. And then I had to go home and I had to finish my degree. So I went home, did my final year, uh, finished that, graduated. Now, when I graduated, I won this award called the Rising Star Award. To this day, I don't actually know what it's for. I, like, I couldn't tell you what that award means or what it's for. But I was just so happy because when you win like the awards, because there's only like one or two that go out on the day, hmm. you get inundated with job offers. Oh, really? So, Yeah. So, like, I ended up getting absolutely inundated due to this award with all types of job opportunities. I'd already been looking into China because a lot of the work I'd done on my degree, you know, we we learned a lot about China and the business world and how they were going to be, you know, the biggest players, basically. Mm. So I was really interested in, okay, well, I'd love to know the Chinese culture. I'd never been to Asia at the time. Uh, and I was like, okay, I need I need to go there even if it's just a couple of months to like find my feet and see how they work. And then they, I ended up getting a job after I won that award with, it was a marketing company in, um, in Shanghai, but it was an American firm. So I almost felt like I was, you know, easing myself in cause I'm used to Americans by now. I'm basically part American at this point. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that's fine. I can go and work for an American company in China 
thinking it was going to be the same oh oh my god was it not the same no <laughs> what what it sort was, of differences uh, were there oh god yeah it was i mean that was the craziest period of my life that i only intended to stay for the summer i was only going to be there three months but it took me three months to enjoy myself because mm. it was that much of a struggle to be there to not speak the language to uh, like acclimatize also get used to their culture which many would see as rude until you actually know it or know them um so it took me at least two months to even have one bit of fun at first it was like this is hell get me home i hate my life and then when i got into the swing of it and i learned a bit of survival mandarin and i got used to my job and then i got another job teaching english which was really well paid and i have absolutely no you know right to be teaching english no qualifications <laughs> no anything but i got this really well paid job teaching english so all of a sudden things were falling into place i was making more mates i became part of the expat community and by like month three i was like okay now it's only just beginning now because i wanted to go home for three months and now i'm ready so i ended up staying like another year and a half on that i've, I've got visions now of you, of you teaching teaching chinese scouse <laughs> Everyone says that. Everyone says, is there a handful of kids running around China speaking Scouse? I'm like, I hope so. I really hope so. But yeah, my, you know what? My kids are the best and they were obviously the cleverest. So <laughs> That's awesome. And then yeah. when you came back, obviously you, you started your, your first business, which was Social Nation. Yeah. So you, you so, started a business that m- many people want to make money online, want to make money using social media. Yeah. You took it to a whole new level with that. How, how did you get started with that? Yeah. So I didn't just come back and straight away start up my own business. I came back and I uh, I had a role, firstly, uh, a graduate scheme with Enterprise Rent-A-Car, which was another American company. <laughs> so I'm just, I keep working with these American firms. And one thing I will notice about these American companies is it's hard work. So, you know, every day is like a 15 hour day. You've got to be efficient. You've got to be like, it's so fast paced. And so I'm, I'm used to this, this way of life and like working all the hours God sends. And everyone's saying to me, like, what are you doing? Like, what, why do you work all the time? You never have any fun. You never go out here. And I, if you could, would have cut me open when I worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car, if you would have cut me open, I would have bled green because I was that much <laughs> of like, their best employee ever i would do anything they said anything they asked and i moved up the ranks really quickly in comparison with everyone else it was such a male-dominated industry and i was just this girl who just came in and kept leapfrogging everyone Mm. so anyway i worked there first and everyone was saying to me you know come on like that is just ridiculous amount of hours Mm. then a job came up in liverpool because um well i was working between liverpool and manchester which was a bit of a pain but a job came up in Liverpool and it was actually my sister who sent me it. She'd seen it on Twitter and it was like, oh, we're looking for the best salesperson in Liverpool, blah, blah. She was like, right, this is perfect for you. You need to go for this and find out what it is. So I went and I interviewed and it was for a startup um, social media agency. So bearing in mind, this is like eight years ago. So it's not, you know, the way it is now. Absolutely mm. saturated and everyone's using it. Um it, but it was like it was a startup, so it was a completely different vibe to anything I've ever worked with in these American corporations where I've been. And 
it was a pay cut of near twenty thousand pounds. Wow. And I was just like, you know what? I don't care. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for this because it seems like I could really have an impact and it seems like it could be really fun. So I went and took this job at this brand new startup social media agency. And we I was there for about four years and we grew the company. It was literally just me, the owner, and one other person. And by the time I'd left, there was around 20 to 25 staff there. We'd moved premises multiple times because we just kept kept growing, kept expanding. Um, and then I won't I won't go into full details, but in the end I left and I set up my own agency, which is Social Nation, which is my current business, and that's been running for four four and a half years now. What what made you want to leave where you were to set up your own agency? Because I've been in that situation myself. I've worked for an agency and then took that leap to start up on my own. And I know my reasons were the agency I was working for weren't doing things the way they should be done. And I wanted to make sure it was done right for the clients, and it certainly wasn't happening there. And it's quite a scary step, leaving mm-hmm. to start an agency, because, you know, what if you fail? You've not run a business before. What if you can't do it? What if you can't get clients? What if you can't pay staff? Yeah, Lots of these things going through your head. So what was going through your mind when you did that? Um, it was it was actually not really a choice. I kind of was pushed out because I um, I basically this is a, I don't want to turn it into a sob story really, but basically what happened was I pitched an idea for a business to my boss who was also my best mate by this point, and um, he was like, "Yeah, absolutely, we're gonna we're gonna go into business and do it." Then he ended up absolutely ripping me off on it. Um, kind of like stealing the business. So I was like, right, absolutely, bye. I, I'm gone. I'm not going to stay with you anymore. So as I left, all my clients were phoning me up. I didn't plan to leave and set up an agency. I just left. I had everything that was company owned. So I had a company car, company laptop, company phone. So I literally had nothing. And I just left because I was like, no way. Like, if you can do that to me, then I'm not. I'm never going to stay with you after everything I've done for you. So my clients came calling. They were all phoning me up. Where have you gone? Where have you gone? We don't know what to do. You know, I literally got inundated to the point where they were demanding I set up my own agency. And I was actually saying, no, I don't want to. I want out of this business. I actually am not really a fan of influencers. You all get on my nerves. Um, so no. <laughs> and then you know, just after a couple of weeks and like getting my confidence back and all that, I just thought, you know what? Yeah, I am going to start, start my own agency. So it wasn't like I sat there like plotting to leave going, right, okay, I don't like the way you do this. Because at the end of the day, I was running the business. So there was nothing I didn't like because I was running it. Mm. Um, so there was, I would have stayed there forever, realistically, probably. So it was actually a blessing in disguise, a very huge disguise that has took me years to realize was a blessing, <laughs> but it was a blessing. Um, and that, that's why, so I didn't like make a choice. I, I had to do it because of what he did to me. So what, what sort of clients are you, are you working with? It's predominantly reality TV and TikTokers. So, you know, new shows like, uh, Made in Chelsea, Geordie Shaw, um, Love Island, lots of Love Island. And then also, aside from that, we have like TikTokers. So like people who've just gone viral, but usually for 
the way we're going with our agency is we're trying to now just take on clients that really do good in the world. Like they're not just posting things that are full of filters and they're not getting a load of surgery. And then don't get me wrong. I've had loads of clients in the past who are like that. And it's still fine. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're a business, you make money for them. They make money. It's fine. But just the way we are going, we're just really trying to onboard people who are doing well, doing good things for the world. So like one of our girls that we've got, she's got 3.5 million followers on TikTok. And that's from, um, she's she's basically got a stammer and she's always had a stammer and she struggled with it and she gives herself challenges on tiktok to overcome the stammer wow. so she does she's doing like public speaking or she's she she ne- the reason she first went viral is because she went through a drive-through of starbucks for the very first time on her own at like 26 and she was like i was just dying to get like a latte or whatever she wanted but no one was with me and I'd never ever done a drive through on my own because you know she's worried about people beeping behind her and stuff like that so she did it and she videoed it and then it went viral and then from then on she just kept going viral kept going viral so she sets herself all these challenges and what she's saying really is I want to be that person that I never had like there was no one like me when I was a kid there was no one with a stammer there was no one who struggled with the speech there was no one I looked up to and thought oh my god yeah like I can see that is similar to me she's like so now I just want to pave way for people with speech impediments who can look at me and go oh my god if Jessie can do that then I can or so she's she's got all types going on where she's trying to help her following and help people who are like her. And so she's just one of the like kind of good guys that we've taken on. We've taken on another girl, Safia Vorage. She had a daughter who died from leukemia. And her, her journey now is just all about being resilient and how she even gets out of bed every day. And that is just it because she's got this foundation that she set up in her daughter's name so everything she does day to day is for this foundation raising money helping childhood cancer all of these things she's just doing good so even though we're bringing her in sponsorships that are you know huge financial like opportunities paid it always leads back to good stuff and it's always fitting brands so it's not just fast fashion that a paying a load of money obviously ruining the world <laughs> and and just you know they people don't give a care in the world they're just posting in these dresses or with private jets we don't really do any of that anymore everything we do is organic to the person and is very usually trying to do some form of good <laughs> it's, it's it's so so odd you're saying that because most of what we see on social media, and I think the the media reports, the, the conventional media reports about social media, is the the vacuous celebrities doing exceptionally vacuous things just mm-hmm. to promote their own own self image. But what you're saying yeah. is that the clients you're working with are actually doing good and making a difference and making a positive impact to yeah. people's lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's just the way we're trying to take the agency because that's what resonates with us and that's what we want to be doing that doesn't mean that I don't have a couple of clients still left from those days where that is the type of stuff they're doing I do but the way the agency is moving the the new ones that we're picking up are always people who are doing good 
Is there a reason for that? Do you think is is there something that a reason why it it means so much to you? Um, I just I think it's just come with age, you know. Um, <laughs> the the older I've I've gotten, the more that I want to do good personally, mm. and therefore I think okay, well, times are changing, and I I would really like to do as much as I can to help you know, stupid things like global warming, whatever, like think my wine, it's a vegan wine, it's organic wine. There was, once upon a time, I'd be like, huh, what do you mean vegan? Who cares? While as now I'm like, don't get me wrong, I'm not a vegan, but I'm moving in those ways. Mm. Um, so it's just, I think as I get older, I really want to do more good for the world. And therefore, if there's any way that I can do that, then I will. But at the same time, I'm not like, I'm not one of these people who are online who just want to fight about everything, you know, those ones who are like, oh, you're wearing leather. You need to go to jail. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I just I just want to casually do good, have an under underpinning line of good, Hmm. but not take it too far where I'm like dropping clients because you you dared wear a bit of leather. So I, 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 well, I was I was going to ask you mentioned, mentioned dropping clients because they dared to wear a bit of leather. Are there? I mean, I'm not asking for names or anything. Are there types of clients that you you won't work with, or are there people you turn away because they're not a good fit? Oh yeah, 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 loads now. Probably not when I first started because it was very much a case of let's grow quickly. Um, let, you know, I want to build a team. I want to be a first mover, basically. Because still, at the time when I started my agency, there were more agencies like coming, uh, you know, bring showing up. So at the time, I probably wouldn't have said no really to many people. But now I say no to people all the time, all the time. We get hundreds of DMs saying like, "Hey, I want to be an influencer. Can I do this?" And some of them, it's obviously like, no, because you don't really have any followers and you haven't done anything. But some <laughs> of them do have big followers, big followings, and. They, you know, you you could take them on and make a bit of money for them, but I just think no, you don't fit with us mm. and what we're doing and how how we move and even our brands because most of the brands we now work with are like ethical brands. Not all of them, again, not every single one, but the majority because we are trying to just underpin everything with a bit of good. <laughs> So I guess that means you're kind of carving out a niche for you because there's not a lot of people in the social media space that are ethically doing good. It is all about numbers and eyeballs on on, on posts. Yeah. So you have a niche of working with ethical brands with mm-hmm. ethical influencers and matching them up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we, I guess we, are, I hadn't really thought of it like that, but yeah, I guess we are kind of moving into that space because even like at Love Island for example that's a huge show everyone who comes off it they get massive sponsorships worth millions of pounds now there was a time in my life when I would just chase anyone on Love Island and be like right get whoever we get we're just having while as now I'm like I'm absolutely not having any of those three (laughs) you know I would consider maybe them and I definitely want them but there's a, you know, there's a few that even if they showed up knocking at my door, I'd be like, no. <laughs> so do, do your your team or, or do you personally, do you end up watching a show like Love Island at the start and saying, right, these are potential clients. And then as the show goes on, no, no, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So to be honest, funnily enough, I haven't watched it 
previously for like maybe three years, but my team have. But this Love Island, I've actually watched like every single episode. But I think it's because, don't get me wrong, I, I've become a bit hooked now. But when I started it, I was watching it thinking, I need to know who I want. Like, I really want to make a decision as to who I'm going to try and get. And so that's how I began watching it. But I've actually become a, a little bit hooked on it. But before this, I hadn't watched it in years. Um, the, just the, the the team in the office, the girls are all younger than me and they all, you know, en- enjoy Love Island. So they're happy watching it and going, this is who we need because of this, that and the other. This is who we want to reach out to, blah, blah, blah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, I, it's been me this time. <laughs> yeah, there's two of our team watch it religiously as well. I, I've I've never seen it for a second. I don't know. But we we thought we were going to get inside information, actually, because one of our guys here is the athletics coach for uh, Gemma Owen's sister. But unfortunately, we're not getting any inside information. So if if anybody's listening about that, she's not spilled anything. Alan's told (laughs) us. Alan Alan knows nothing, so it's all a surprise to him when it comes out as well. (laughs) Um, So what, what sort of stuff do you actually do for your clients? How, how do you, do you help them? So, I mean, realistically, it's not so much me personally anymore. It's like the team because we've got there's me and then there's six other girls. Uh, well, girls and a gay, um, <laughs> <laughs> and we that what what we do really is we put them with brands that fit them. So if someone's really big into cleaning or really big into cars, they will do sponsorships with cleaning or cars. If someone's really big into fashion, they'll do a lot of sponsorship with fashion. Uh, as I say, we're, we're moving away from like the fast fashion, but even like Love Island, it's always been sponsored by Pretty Little Thing. This year, it's sponsored by eBay because they're trying to encourage people to obviously rewear, reuse, recycle clothes rather than go and you know buy PLT's five pound dress. So you can see even like the bigger players are trying to move towards that way of doing things but yeah so we we basically just book in sponsorships for our clients that are well paid okay and what sort of platforms are your your clients using because you mentioned tiktok are yeah. there other platforms that are as useful or are there new platforms you have to keep an eye on as well that could become yeah. players you've always got to keep your eye out for the new things but tiktok is the the new biggest one and tiktok is just going to be massive well, it is massive, but it's going to be even bigger. Um, so TikTok is probably our main focus right now. But Instagram, very, very close second. Instagram stories, Instagram posts. Um, it's still a very popular um, platform. And it does still get great results in terms of return and investment for brands. Mm. So often, it's not the same as it used to be. When I first started doing this, the return and investment was insane. You could pay thousand pounds for a post and you'd get 50 grand back in your bank that same night so it was massive back then while as now it's more you know you still get a return on investment but it's you know a lot less than that you maybe might spend a grand and get three but people still you know if you're small to medium business that's still a success you've got all your new followers you've got all your your new customers and you've you've made your money back and then some so it's still still very successful, which just not the way it once was. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's quite interesting because people often ask me what's an average return on investment for, for all sorts of different advertising. And of course, it varies from platform to platform. Yeah. 
But are you saying if it's the right brand and it's mm-hmm. with the right influencer, typically yeah. they could expect a three times return on investment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got, of course, you've got to make sure you're spot on with your messaging. Mm. But yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's interesting because we, I know, I know a lady that is using influencers for yeah. marketing. But from what I've spoken to her about, they are quite small level influencers. I think we're talking maybe twenty thousand followers on Instagram, possibly a bit less than that. Yeah. And she's mentioned how the influencers sometimes, or, or quite often, I think, pay for engagement themselves on their posts. <laughs> I mean, ours would never do that in a million years but you're talk- what you're talking about there is a micro influencer which mm. is basically people who look after themselves because they've got you know twenty thousand or whatever i i'm sure there is people in the world who, who do that mm. i don't personally know any of them um our clients have all gained their following through sheer either graft or they've just been on tv so they've gained a following quickly um but yeah, there's definitely people out there who will pay for engagement, but it's quite easy to spot, being honest. Like, you can usually very easily tell. So you would just not use those. But when you're paying for it, you, you wouldn't normally pay someone with 20,000 followers. You would gift them. So, for example, my Think Wine, I'd say, oh, she looks nice. She's got 20,000 followers. I'll gift her a bottle of wine. She'll do me a post. I'm probably not really going to get any sales, but I might get. 10 to 15 new followers. I'm happy with that. No big deal. Mm. Um, If I'm going to pay an influencer a thousand pounds, you know, I've done my research, you know, I know they fit, you know, I know their demographic. And when I spend my thousand pounds, I've I've spent it wisely so that I'm going to get a return on investment from their audience. I haven't gone, Oh yeah, that's, they've got absolutely no engagement on their post and I'm going to, haggle them down so that the content's really bad because if you start haggling with influencers then they just care a bit less mm. while as if you pay their fees you do everything right they will go and create you some amazing content so the content isn't then just used on their platform you get to use it on your facebook ads you get to go and use it on you know paid stuff and then it just gathers in more sales so it's probably Realistically, I'd say it was more than three times your investment once you're done using it on paid stuff. But in terms of like that very next day back in your bank, often if I'm spending a grand, I'll get three grand back in my bank the next day. Mm. To be honest, yeah, everything you've said sounds absolutely spot on because alarm bells were ringing when she said this. Yeah. That the fact that they were paying for engagement on their posts, I thought, well, that, that's not really an influencer. Then that's just somebody that's cultivating their own following and charging for it, and then charging you to do this. Everybody's paying somebody, and you're the one who's actually spending all the money up front. Mm, yeah, I know, I know, and like that's why I always say to people, like, make sure you use an agency, just mm. because you covered them. Like the agency has contracts galore. The agency acts as a middleman with the money, so. If someone pays you, if someone pays me for a post with one of my clients, I will not pay that client until she's done everything she needs to do. And only then, once everyone's happy, will we release the funds to her. Otherwise, if anyone, anything goes wrong, we will refund the brand. So we act as like a middleman. So I always recommend people use agencies because also the agency knows off the top of their head 
what all the influencers demographics are. Mm -hmm. So if she comes to me and says, oh, my audience is women 50 to 60, I straight away know who I've got on my books who will fit that demographic. While as she's probably just thinking, oh, there's 20,000 followers there. Like, even if I got 1% of that, it's okay. Mm. Just, it just doesn't work. Like it doesn't that. work like that at <laughs> all. No, no. So how, how attainable do you think it is for small businesses to be able to use influencer marketing through you? It is, it is attainable. You need to have some form of budget. Um, it's, you know, some influencers, you can really negotiate with them if they're going to really like a product. And I could go, like, my relationship with, with some of our influencers, I can actually approach them and say, look, the, I know your fee is £500. However, would you do it for 300 on this occasion because you're going to get a great outdoor furniture set or you're going to get, you know, a, a brand new desk for your home office. So, you know, if it's something they're going to like, you can probably negotiate, get it down and get them to do it. Now, once that initial... People get scared, of course, of like throwing money away. But once you've done that initial post and you've actually seen, oh, okay, well, I haven't lost money. You probably, if you're only spending 200, 300 pounds, you're probably not really going to make much money. But you, the likelihood is you'll, you'll break even and you haven't lost any. And so when that happens, people go, okay, well, at least I didn't lose any money. I can reinvest that now and maybe add on an extra 100. Mm. So then they go, okay, well, I spend 500 next time. Who have you got for 500? So then we go, okay, well, you can use this person for 500. And then maybe they'll get 750, 800 back in sales. And they just very slowly, incrementally work the way up the mm. ladder of influencers till the spending. You know, some people now spend like 10, 15 grand a month just on one to two influencers because they're like, well, it's fine. I get a return on investment. But it's just, um, you know, making that first yeah. move scares and, people. And that, that, that's the thing you, you keep saying, and I think that's the most important thing. It's about the return on investment. Mm-hmm. When, whenever, yeah, I whenever I hear people bandying around using influencer marketing, they, they, they don't, they're not doing what you're doing. Yeah. They're just finding somebody with followers, <laughs> throwing money at them and not knowing what's happening not knowing if how many people are going to be engaging with the post, how many genuine people are going to be engaging with the post. Because obviously there was a, a huge thing with Elon Musk's attempt to buy Twitter. Oh, and yeah. then he discovered that huge portions of Twitter's users were in fact bots, yeah, not yeah. real people. So it was nowhere near as valuable as Twitter was claiming it was. Yeah. So people need to be checking the return on investment. They need to know that whoever they're using is able to deliver that return on investment. And if they're going straight to an influencer themselves who maybe they've not even heard of, they're just going to follow account, yeah. it could be nothing. Oh, Whereas yeah. if, if yeah. they use an agency like you, you've got figures, you've got case studies, you know which influencers generate returns for which particular clients and how much they can get for it. Exactly, yeah. And that that is honestly why I always just say just use an agency because it's no effect on you. Because whether that influencer charges you directly or whether the agency charges you, the fee will remain the same. What happens with the agency fee, it comes from the influencer. So you would take 20% of the influencer's earnings. So it actually has bears, you know, nothing on the actual brand themselves. So it doesn't make sense trying to go direct. You may as well go to someone who's knowledgeable and can guide you and can hold your hand, especially if you are a new business and you do have a lower budget. But even saying that, you know, I've, the amount, of influencer marketing I've done for Think. Overall, 
I've made a lot more money than I've lost. But there has been the odd post where I've lost money, where I've spent 1,500 on a post and I've got 1,000 in sales or, you know, similar things like that. There's Mm. been the odd time. There's never a guaranteed outcome. It could be something as simple as the weather's really hot outside and no one's on the phone. And you've you've just done it at a wrong time on a wrong day. So you're never, ever going to guarantee, but you can come close and you can make sure like, over the long run that it, it's okay. Because mm. <laughs> I would stop doing it, of course, if it didn't work. Well, I don't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you don't keep doing the same thing if it's not, yeah, yeah. If it's not getting a return, unless you're not measuring and yeah. you don't know what's working. Yeah. And of course, yeah. as, you, as you've already alluded to as well, once you've got an influencer that's done a post for you, you can then reuse that post yourself in your own marketing. Yeah, repurpose it elsewhere. And that's that's usually how I will. If I do do a little post that's lost a bit of money and I'm a bit like, hmm, then I just will go ham on putting it on Facebook ads and, uh, you know, putting some spend behind it just yeah. so I can go, okay, well, fine. At least I broke even now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is What what sort of businesses uh, work best for influence marketing? female stuff <laughs> um i would say that the big spenders on instagram particularly and even tiktok are women um not to say that men's brands can't work because they can and i've seen it but generally women just love buying and so if it's a female brand fashion hair makeup skincare alcohol fun spa experiences restaurants holidays anything that like women shoes jewelry (laughs) literally anything where a woman is like oh that's the ones that perform best it's funny this 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 lady i mentioned to you actually is makeup so i might have i might have to make you an introduction after this so you can have a chat with her because she's got some great stuff but yeah. she needs to get in front of, I think, the right people and, and to be doing it the right way. So I will make you an introduction after this. So there's, there's a referral okay. for you for that one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what sort of products or businesses do you think don't work so well? Or perhaps you've seen tri-influencer marketing where it's not not paid off? I think sometimes bus- like companies that are really business to business, hmm. not really direct to customer um that seems to fall flat on its face unless you are um utilizing linkedin for that i think now what i'm noticing on linkedin is that there's like a huge influx of linkedin influencers and they're doing stuff like business to business so you know like coaching and so they'll they'll say you know there's this person who's huge on linkedin and they'll be like oh i use this coach or I use this software for my bit for running my business and it's helped save me two thousand pounds this year. Mm. Or I use um this bank, I use NatWest and it saved me this much. Now these are all being paid by like NatWest or Zero or you know, whoever. These LinkedIn influencers are being paid by this business to business service. And it works in the exact same way. But if you were to put that onto Instagram it would fall fat on its face. Mm. Same with TikTok. But if, you, if you're using the right influencer, I guess it could work. But for me, when people have approached me like, 
a printing service that is generally business to business and they say oh you know we want this influencer who's maybe got a big house or whatever to say oh yeah we've um we've used this printing service for our new house or stuff like that that doesn't tend to work and sometimes like male clothing brands like if people just start up you know what it's like like kids now will just start up in their bedroom and think they're going to be the next billionaire by selling these five pound t-shirts that they've stamped their own logo on Mm -hmm. and especially if that's like a a male brand just it's never going to work (laughs) (laughs) so I just said, but often, and that here's the thing, I often will be honest. I will often say, like, this isn't going to work, you know? Like, I don't think it might, who knows? But I don't feel that this is going to work for you. So I don't feel like you should do this. But if you want to agree, because sometimes I think, like, where have you even got this money? Half of them have got it off the parents. Half of them have got it illegally. And they're just like, oh, yeah, here's two grand. Come on, we'll just throw it on that. And I'm like... Just don't feel that you should. <laughs> I, I feel you saying that. Then anyone listening to this who's planning to sell T-shirts with their own logo stamped on it as a kid, yeah. you've you've just crushed their hopes and dreams. I'm sorry, but just no. Just yeah, don't. it's like one of those moments on on Dragons Den where somebody comes out and they've got this really bad business idea and says they've sunk five hundred grand of their own money into it, and you just hear that. <gasps> You've yeah. done what moment? Because it, it, if they'd just taken the advice of somebody beforehand, it would have saved them all that heartache and saved them, yeah. saved yeah. them all that money. Um, True. But but speaking of businesses, with mm-hmm. your 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 social media company, you then went out and created Think Wine. Yeah. <laughs> Other than the obvious that you you must love wine, yeah. why why what made you want to to, to go oh, into it, a very competitive space? Yeah. So basically, I was seeing the results from influencer marketing direct from the brands that I was working with. So they would, they would say to me, especially in the early years, oh my God, Kath, we just spent two grand, we made 60. We just spent three grand, we made 70. Mad, mad levels of returns investment. So I'm like, okay, well, what business am I going to have? Because I need an e-commerce store now <laughs> that I can just utilize this form of marketing. But I also knew that I didn't, I wanted it to have longevity because another thing that I was seeing at the time, people were white labeling products from China, setting up a little cheap website, selling things on there that they've maybe bought for 50p, selling it on there for four quid and just shifting thousands. Mm. Because if an influencer with 2 million followers posts about it and then a million of those people purchase, then it's only four quid, you know, it's an impulse buy, it's no problem to anyone. Then these businesses were just like going boom. And then they were just pulling the plug and just closing the website down and closing the business down and then doing something else. So I was like, oh God, no, I don't like that. I I, I don't like how just, you know, it's risky, that, that type of thing. So I'm like, I want a business that's got longevity. I want something that I'm really passionate about and that I will love and push. And, but I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I don't care about, I'm not a girly girl, you can probably tell. Like, (laughs) I don't do, like, no makeup, no hair, can't be bothered. Obviously, the odd time if I'm going out, of course, but generally, I am not a girly girl. So, all this stuff that you can flog so quickly and cheaply, 
I was like, mm, no, don't like that. Don't like makeup. Don't like hair stuff. Don't like shoes. Nothing. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do? So what do I love? Obviously, as you stated, I love wine. And I would always go on wine holidays, very passionate about wine. So wine tasting events, where any possible wine event I would go to. I would always visit vineyards. I'd always travel to Italy and drink all the wine. So I'm like, well, I love wine. Then what actually happened was because of Social Nation, we were always getting invited to events. So it was like you get a glass of champagne on arrival or you get a Prosecco on arrival. I was drinking quite a lot in the week and gaining weight rapidly. And I'm like, I'm barely eating because I'm so busy. I was so busy. The company was quite new. I'm thinking, I hardly even eat a thing. Like, how can I possibly gain weight? And then I realized it's the calories and the alcohol that I'm drinking. (coughs) How like full of sugar it is. And I'm like, oh, that's terrible. So that was how it sparked. It sparked the idea in my head that I feel like I could create a wine that was way less sugar, but still delicious. Because anything I was looking for, low sugar, it was always low alcohol as well. Because obviously alcohol is sugar and blah, blah. Mm. So I'm like, this just has to be a way. And I just started researching it. And it was one of those ideas that I couldn't sleep at night until I had actioned. Um, and so, yeah, I, it was just an idea that ran away with me. And then I had, had to make it reality. So, so essentially, you, you were promoting other brands with your social media company. And you thought, I need, they're seeing huge results. I want a piece mm. of this. What can I do to do that? So you're basically you're your own testimonial, you're your own case study. You put <laughs> you you put your money where your mouth is into your own product to promote it, showing yeah. that other companies look. I'm doing it myself. These are results I can get. That that that's brilliant to see. I mean, we we've done something similar ourselves because we're obviously a, a digital marketing company. We don't touch influence. I don't know anything about it. We do yeah. search engine marketing and content marketing. We've created a couple of e-commerce websites ourselves that we own that sell digital products, so no physical stock, okay. just because we knew that we could get these ranking and promoting, and they just yeah. generate passive income because yeah. we, we've just set them up and they're running. And I, I, I love love the way that actually works. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. again, it's your own your own case study, and you can practice on it as well. Yeah, of course. We, yeah. We, we practice things for SEO on our own e-commerce websites so that we don't yeah. have to practice it on a client website. So I imagine yeah. you you possibly might be able to do that yourself. So you might have oh, yeah. a particular influence that you're not sure if it's right. You can practice it with with oh, Think yeah. Wine. Yeah, we do. We do do that. And that's why I I I quite like a risk anyway. Like I'm just <laughs> naturally that person. So if there is someone where I am on the fence, like I'll just go, I'll give it a whirl. Like if I lose a bit of money, it's not the end of the world. Mm. But at least we'll know then. Um, but so a lot of the clients that we get are risk takers as well, you know, like brands and stuff. They're like, yeah, we'll just try them. I, I might, I'll say like, honestly, I don't actually know if they're going to work or not. Cause I've never worked with them before, but they seem like they create nice content. So worst comes to worst, you'll have a load of good content to use on your website and your Instagram and stuff. And they'll be like, yeah, fine. Give it a, give it a whirl. So it is nice. You learn, you still, you learn things every day, but obviously I set up to think, with the, you know, primarily I'm thinking it's going to be an e-commerce store because that's what I know what to do. But then I quickly realized that if I wanted it to be like a humongous brand, 
then I need to get into like the on and the off trade and start selling into your bars, your restaurants, hotels, mm. which was a struggle because I launched it not long before COVID. So everything shut down. So it was good in that we put all of our efforts and energy into the online stuff, which paid off. But then it's also bad in that we're, we're a bit behind now in, on what the plans were for the growth for the on and the off trade side of the business. Yeah. Um, we are a bit behind on that, but every day it's it, it's picking up and every day is a school day because I've never worked in the alcohol industry. I've loved it, but I didn't know about, you know, it, all the the mad things that go on in the world of wholesale and alcohol. I knew nothing about it until now, mm. but it's enjoyable because I'm always learning and I, I like to learn. It's brilliant how you just managed to gate crash an industry. Yeah, having having yeah. no experience of it was absolutely livid. No, I'm not messing. <laughs> the industry was fuming. Who is this young girl coming in here with wine? And we keep winning awards because we're, we're only entering into blind tasting awards. I'm telling you now, if you enter an award and you're not part of that little clique wine world, you better know you're not going to win. Mm. But if you enter a blind tasting awards, then you can just keep winning and they can just get keep getting angry <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant oh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> but yeah that's exactly what it did gay question industry no experience and then you started just making it a bit more useful but i've come up against it you know honest to god like some of the old dinosaurs of the wine world horrible like really horrible and because i've come from an industry that's new and everyone's young and everyone's um you know any anything goes you know nothing it's all fine mm. in the wine world it's like you know you, you've got to dress in your three-piece suit and you have to speak in a certain way and do exactly you know the, at 5 p.m everyone's out of office like i'm from this world where we're, we're still talking at 10 p.m and it, it's just casual <laughs> so yeah it's very different and I've, I've come up with some against some struggles but it's fine because in the end they'll die off <laughs> <laughs> Literally or figuratively? <laughs> both. <laughs> Funny, but both. <laughs> um, if uh, if a business wants to to work with you, what's mm-hmm. the best way they can get in touch? So, for um, if if you want to like speak to me personally, I love chatting to people on LinkedIn. So, Catherine Jones on LinkedIn, but. My email address is kath, K-A-T-H, at wersn.com. So SN stands for Social Nation. So it's just kath at wersn.com. Um, our website is also wersn.com. My other one, obviously, think that's kath at thinkwinegroup.co.uk. And we do do wholesale. So, you know, if, like, a business is having an event or a party, we'll sell to them at a, at a cheap price, um, so that they can have us there or if the, obviously we do a lot of like Christmas gifts, corporate mm. gifts and stuff like that. So yes, they're probably the best places. Thinkwinegroup.co.uk is our website. And what, and, and as a final question, uh, for mm-hmm. someone who may want to become an influencer, yeah, <laughs> yeah. what, what advice <laughs> would you, you give them? I don't really have any advice on that. Um, other than probably focus your energy into something else and just document it as you go along. Um, 
you know, my girls have become really good influencers now. It's because they've got a passion doing something else and they're just sharing the story of that. Mm. Uh, even like what I do on LinkedIn, all I'm doing is sharing the story of Think Wine. Um, but I'm, my focus is Think Wine. My focus isn't, oh, I want people on LinkedIn to see what I'm doing. When your focus becomes, I want people to see what I'm doing, you never seem to get there. Get another focus, get a, get passionate about something else and just document it. And if people want to follow it, then they will. But don't put all your energies and efforts into trying to be that because it doesn't work. And also, I have never really created influencers. I've always taken them on when they are an influencer. So I haven't sat there when someone's got one follower and been like, right, let's build it. Apart from myself, like mm. the stuff I do for me, that's been built from scratch. But I wouldn't sit down with a girl who just goes, I fancy being an influencer mm. and go, right, okay, let's map out your plan. I would say, okay, well, when you are one and you've got a following, come back to me mm. because I've got the brands for you. Because my focus is 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 the brands um, and helping the brands even more so than the influencers, I think, mm. even though it's very 50-50. But, you know, my focus is the brands. I'm not going to sit there trying to drag your following up from one yeah. to 100,000. It's not a, it's not a good use of my time. Yeah. I mean, you, you started that by saying you've not really got advice for somebody and mm. then you gave some absolutely mm. belting <laughs> advice. <laughs> Thanks. For somebody <laughs> wanting to do it. No, it, it, it it's spot on because there, there's – so many people who want to be influencers and all they do is they just take social media pictures and put posts up of themselves and, and think it's suddenly going to happen. Mm-hmm. But you're yeah. talking about find your passion, document your passion, document your story, find yeah. out what it is that you want to do, find out your why, put yeah. that on social media. That's what will resonate with other people. Yeah. Have some content, some some meat on the bones if it obviously doesn't really resonate with the, the vegan thing, how about some meat on the bones for what you actually want to do as your story <laughs> and put that out there rather than trying to say nothing yeah. and hoping somebody's going to follow you. I'm an influencer because I'm pretty. You know, yeah. it, just, it just doesn't work anymore. Back in the day, yeah, now, no, it doesn't mm. work. So don't waste your time. <laughs> <laughs> so basically that's my advice. Don't try. <laughs> What a beautiful message to end this on. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so good at inspiring people. <laughs> I mean, there's a motivational quote for you right there. You can have a picture of you with Social Nation logo. Don't try. Don't waste your time. Oh, God. <laughs> and you, you can use that. You can put that out there. That'll go great on Instagram. I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for for joining me today. It's been um, it's been an absolute absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. And uh, I feel I've learned something about influencer marketing because I knew I knew nothing from the start, yeah. and I can see now how it is a, a viable means for businesses to grow. Absolutely. Which before I, I I didn't really know, I didn't understand it. But thank you very much for for educating me and educating everybody listening to this on on how it works. So yeah. thank you very much. Oh, <laughs>